0: I'm
1: Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Douglas Lehman. And we love to watch. We love to watch. Whitewashing be redeemed. Hey, Peter. Hey, 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 hey. hey. You could call us a sort of uh, Avengers. Avengers of people's second favorite <laughs> Iron Man movie. <laughs> I think to be the
0: Avengers, though, we need two more people and this exact amount of women.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, still too many women for a Marvel movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, if we could get less,
2: I think, I think yeah. that would work well. Yeah. So
0: here's what's really funny. Uh, yeah, Douglas is on the show. I'm very excited to talk about this movie. It's our, it's our Shane Black. It's a very Shane Black Christmas as voted by you, the listeners. I'm very excited to talk about this. We're, we're doing an insane order for these movies because it is it is Christmas and scheduling gets complicated. So the order – like normally you would like work through segments of someone's filmographies, not – Start with Iron Man 3, then go to his like come back and kiss, kiss, bang, bang. then go to lethal weapon and where he kind of made his name and then go to the long kiss goodnight which like made him uh take take a break so this makes no fucking sense
2: (laughs) ending on a downer note guys i
0: i don't even know how we're gonna really talk about shane black as any sort of narrative besides you remember a couple weeks ago we were saying okay so before that before that part so this is gonna be a mess uh merry christmas uh (laughs) christmas
2: (laughs) is usually a mess It's usually
1: a mess. This is is, going to be, it's going to be a great month. We're going to do, just like last month was a George Romero Appreciation Month. This month, we're going to honor the living in Shane Black, whose career is uh, bouncing back. And Mm we want to sort of touch back on... The Christmas movies that he, uh, he made over the years, uh, because he sort of see- covertly made all of his, his action movies into Christmas movies. Uh, well, most of them, I should most say. Most of them.
2: Can I just say real quickly about this? I just realized as you were saying that, that that means
1: his Predator movie next year.
2: Is going to be a Christmas movie, I bet.
0: I don't know if they celebrate Christmas on <laughs> Predator <laughs> I think that's really, I think that's really forcing some Judeo-Christian, uh, actually just Christian. Don't don't even have the Judeo part of that because yeah. they don't they, they have their own holiday. And I don't know what Predator life day.
1: Life life day
0: could be. They life be. Day won't be the Predator. I'll tell you what, though, if the Christian minister, uh, if the Christian missionaries on this planet have anything to say about it once they find that fucking predator planet they're gonna they're gonna try to make sure every last fucking one of
2: themselves celebrates christmas oh christianity
1: if it's half my- of the predator movie is uh, a predator uh watching porn then i would i'll be day one day two multiple times within the day it,
0: it, uh, it'd be it'd actually be really easy to preach to them because they have a great metaphor where they're like why can't we see god and you're gonna be like, well, why can't you see Bob? Because he turned invisible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like this idea that like Bob is just introverted. <laughs> That's why his cloak is on.
0: Bob, I join don't... us in join us in group. Like you can turn <laughs> off your cloak. Open yourself
2: up. <laughs> Turn off the missile. <laughs> Bob has just never been the same since his encounter with that Xenomorph. I don't know what's happened to him. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, Bob came back from the war weirdsies. Yeah, whoever whoever won that, Bob lost. <laughs> <laughs> Bob is just in the corner now, just cradling his rifle, just going, I'll get that Arnold. I'll get that Arnold. <laughs> I, I, I also want to say on the note of Cinematic Universe, I feel really sorry for the one nerd who really thinks uh, Adrian Brody is going to show up in the new Predator movie. <laughs> like they're going to be waiting the whole movie like, Adrian Brody's going to show up and they're going to be like a sequel. And no, kid, I'm sorry. That kid has a lot more problems
0: than. <laughs> like that ser- kid is 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 going to have a whole different type of loneliness than we've ever felt. If he's a kid who goes to the new Predator movie hoping to see Adrian Brody. <laughs> he's the weirdest. He's like the weirdest 12 oh, year old. I used to watch the p- pianist every day when I was five, and I was.
1: Would- <laughs> was this was this kid like locked up in a cabin somewhere with only a copy of Predators? He had the, he had pr- he had Predators, The Pianist, and inappropriate comedy, and that was his
2: exposure to Agent Brody. <laughs>
0: uh, so, Doug, uh, I think you've kind of introduced yourself a little bit to the audience. But if Has you he- want, yeah, just we're not going to. You've done three <laughs> things about yourself. Why don't you just share a quick one-minute, two-minute
2: blurb about yourself in case any of our audience doesn't know who you are? Okie dokie. Well, uh, my name is Douglas Lehman. I'm a college student slash Walgreens cashier slash movie reviewer. And I love movies. I love musicals. I love puppies and food. And I just love art in general. Love talking about art. And part of the art I love is this includes superheroes. I've loved them all my life, and that means I'm very excited to get down to talking about Iron Man 3.
0: Yeah, this was really a no-brainer. So we sent, we wanted Doug back on. He had guested before with Michael Garneri on our Mission to Mars episode, which was a lot of fun for Double Trouble Month, but he hadn't had a chance to be on himself. So uh, we had wanted to get him back on, so we sent him the list of our our January and our December slate, and he saw Iron Man 3, and he's like, well, I probably have to. (laughs) Iron Man 3 and we were like well we didn't want to force you but (laughs) it was like a really good fit (laughs) so this is kind of a weird opportunity for us Um, I I highly doubt that Peter and I will do another MCU movie partially because uh, it just doesn't really fit with what we do I think this is one of the the big exceptions in that this very much, in my opinion, anyways, feels like a Shane Black movie. But hmm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe is one of the biggest things that they're,
2: I mean, it, it probably is, besides Star Wars, the biggest franchise. You know what's weird is, uh, if I can just be honest about this, I think you're right that Star Wars is big for our generation. I think the MCU is, though, like what Star Wars was for people in the 70s, because it's like our thing, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, ju- I, I say that about Jurassic Park. Like Jurassic yeah. Park, yeah. Hit when I was was
0: nine. It's your Jurassic and, and, Nine was the perfect Star Wars age. I mean, to be obsessed with it. It was like, like, I love Jurassic Park now, but I saw Jurassic Park seven times in theaters. And like, so it seems like a good opportunity to talk about it. Um, there's some differing opinions of the universe and how it's doing movie-wise as a whole. Seems hmm. like a good point to start there. Peter, as someone who only has positive things to say about movies, loves all things movies, loves a good blockbuster, share your positive thoughts on, t- on the you. <laughs>
1: So let me start off by saying that I actually am fond of a lot of these movies. Um, like I, I think most of them are, are well made, uh, really fun movies that are, you know, enjoyable filmic, filmic experiences. But the problem is this sort of you've heard all sorts of shit about the the Marvel Machine and how it stamps down a lot of directors, you know, individual personalities and their auteurism and their ability to just like grab on and make a movie theirs in a personal level. It's not always true. I think both Gardens of the Galaxy movies feel like James Gunn movies, and I think Iron Man 3 feels a lot like a Shane Black movie. Have you guys seen Thor Thor Ragnarok yet? Not yet. Okay, yeah, I will say just as a side note, that's probably the one I would say is the other
2: big auteur project in these movies. That definitely is a tech guy with T.T., movie even even in the editing it's very with TTS I I feel like the first Avengers is a
0: very is the only other one that I've seen and I haven't seen Thor that really qualifies as like oh yeah that's a
2: Josh Whedon movie the incredible Hulk is a Louis Lederer movie because it's middling
1: (laughs) Ooh, the hot takes um so I I I Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 are the only ones of these movies uh that I really could exist on their own and don't need the rest of these movies and like really do act as their own thing and like part of me is bummed that the Guardians of the Galaxy have to get involved with like this like dozens of movie franchise that's happening back on Earth because I love Iron Man 3 except for all the shit that ties into the other MCU movies. My problem is that everything feels like a sequel to a previous thing, and then I spend a large portion of my sort of uh, emotional, intellectual sort of, you know, journey in the movie thinking about the implications for the previous movies and the future movies as Hmm. opposed to what the implications are for the characters – Right now. So, like, everything that I don't like about Iron Man 3 is shit that ties into other movies. And everything hmm. that I like about it is shit that I feel like Shane Black just got in at a really weird, perfect time and got to um, make Tony Stark his in his own way and got to... Um, craft his own weird little plot about Tony Stark dealing with PTSD and like uh, Tony Stark and a buddy cop movie at some point. Like (laughs) Shane Black gets to kind of make it his own movie. And then Marvel comes in with their big fucking hammer and just batters the movie into shape. By the end,
0: so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of disagree with you. Not just not, not just that I. So I really it's do easier like, if you
1: don't. It's fair. It's true. Can keep the rundown <laughs> of this episode way lower. If, if, if
0: <laughs> uh Peter, great points. Uh, no, I, so I think um, no, actually, okay, points. I've heard the points before. I don't really buy it, and especially it was almost kind of confirmed watching this movie how little um, how little it had to do with the MCU. Like yeah. There's a couple references to New York. His PTSD is related to what happened to him. And which, I mean, it still is. Even if it wasn't part of a larger universe, it is a third sequel. So you're just – you're kind of growing with the character. Outside of that, there's nothing – I mean, you're just talking about previous Tony Stark adventures that are affecting him in the, the third sequel, fourth one, fourth movie uh, featuring him. There's no there's there's no nod to the other stuff. And then the other the, the other thing I kind of want to – just just say as why I think these movies are as good as they are, and some are better than others, and there's there's some I like more. But for the most part, I do feel like the Marvel cinematic universe tries to tell a story first. They're, yeah. they're all of their movies I think actually work really well for the most part, as self-contained. They're serialized to a point, and some, you know, the Avengers movies specifically. Uh, and a little bit of civil war; those those that tended to be more of the serialized crof- crossover events. But for, for the most part, like Ant Man has a couple jokes about the Avengers. He meets another character, that, you know, f- kind of a fun heist scene. You know, you kind of go through these movies, and it's very clear that for the most part, they actually seem to be. I'm not even entirely sure how they're going to put all these pl- pieces in.
1: Place. I don't <laughs> for either the, for
0: the Avengers because they do so little of the work in the movies, uh, in the movies the, themselves, and, and so I think that is important to note. And then the second point before I kind of turn over to Douglas, you know when when people t- when people talk about oh all these directors who aren't working within the Marvel thing and they get kicked out like. Fucking! That's what happens at all studio big budget movies. <laughs> like I've never even thought about that. That's a good point. You can say that Marvel makes demands of what they want in their movie. Uh, fucking every studio who gives hundred two hundred million dollar budgets, forced to m- force the directors certain things on them. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it bigs. Sometimes it clashes with the director's vision. Sometimes they're able to work it in or not. But unless you're Steven Spielberg, you know I'm sorry. If if these directors are getting this level of budget and able to make these like summer blockbuster, you know, winter blockbuster movies, they're going to answer to a studio. In this case, it's Marvel. And at least in Marvel's case, go look at some of the top box office movies of the last 10 years. There's so much shit in there that gets the Transformers movies, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So I will agree that for the most part, the Marvel movies don't ever rise to the masterpiece level. But this is like quality level blockbuster entertainment consistently and on a scale that we've never seen before, so like sure, I get it they're not they're not these pure artiste products, but they never were going to be, and the fact that they've continued to be this entertaining and fun is is amazing and they and that they've been able to actually do something that like no movie thing has ever done, especially with a lot of recent attempts, which is which is make this like interconnected universe of characters the, the type of thing that when I was like a kid in my basement, I would have like <laughs> killed to see instead of like movies where they make like two good Batman movies, two good Spider-Man movies. Two, uh, one and a half good Jurassic Park movie, and then you get a shitty sequel, and then they just stop making them. Like, I don't give a shit about Thor: The Dark World either, but um, no but one the, does. The, the consistency that they've been able to do this um, and just make some some of the best blockbuster entertainment of the past 10-15 years is 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 something to be applauded. I think,
1: and I agree with a lot of that. Before I turn over to Douglas, who I'm sure has is like brimming with thought, I, I agree with a lot of that. I got one or um, two.
0: Yeah, how erect is your penis right
2: now? Very, <laughs> extremely. Tick-tock. It's got Tick-tock. it's three creatures high.
1: <laughs> I, I disagree. I'll get into it more in the proper episode. Why I think this movie is hurt by being attached to the uh, it hurt the, the it's mostly third act problems that I think uh, are caused by and attached to the MCU stuff. But uh, I do think some of these movies are kind of just too, like stitching between other movies. And, and, like, Iron Man 2, Thor 2, I think Civil War recently really felt like it was just stitching between new shit. Uh, oh, 2 also no. felt like it was just stitching in between new shit. Oh, honey. The Civil War is wrapped up in one fucking movie. It's not, though. Like, like there's no... I, it, I, it's not done, though, dude. But that's the other... That's the problem. Yeah, my favorite is part of not- Civil
0: War was when Captain America and Iron Man hugged at the end. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but they... They, it's not done, and yet it's not done, and yet it is done. Where okay. it's like, they, they go through the fight, and they're mad at each other. They're really mad at each other, and there's going to be more next movie. It's like, I I just wish that I could just meet two new characters that went through the same conflict in Civil War, and the movie were 30 minutes shorter and wrapped it up faster. No, I, I honestly want to know, though, on Civil War, would you want it to be
2: done in a single movie, or go on for multiple movies? Because it seems apparent that Infinity War... Uh, Not impaired. That's a condescending word. Uh, They've been kind of open that Infinity War is going to open with that conflict still going on. So are you wanting like multiple movies that cover that same terrain? Because for me, it ended on a sort of – it ended on a nicely non-resolute note where the conflicts aren't gone just because a bad guy showed up. Like Gap's on the run. Tony, Vision, and War Machine are left at the base. It feels like the ripple effects are still going and they're not going to stop anytime soon.
1: The problem is kind of what you were just elaborating on that, like hmm. the end of the movie where I have so many, I have so many um, implications on how the series is just going to keep stretching onward. Interesting. I have a really hard time. I have a really hard time getting emotionally attached to what's happening at hand because my my brain is just jumping to the next thing and and, and jumping right into an anticipatory state. So like hmm. I'm right. So it's, in, so it's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's my problem, and it's also the movie is saying, "Don't worry, we'll figure this out later." And then, but but I just don't. It, it's, it's it's like funny. We get, it's you... like we get. It's like they cut each movie in. It's like they cut each movie at a cliffhanger for the next one. And
2: Actually. Like, I, I don't – not even kidding hard. on this one. I would actually like more concrete endings. I kind of agree. I would like a little more like Guardians 2 where it ends on like a definitive note instead of constant cliffhangers. But – uh And Civil War also like answered like there was no big bad guy.
0: There was no – no. Um, it was just this guy who was like basically trying to make people destroy each other. And Peter, the new guy thing doesn't really hold water or at least I don't agree with it I guess I should say. Hold water is not the right term because um, it does for you. And so I'm not trying to be condescending either. Uh, We're good but, boys. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, you know, the whole point of the why there was so much dramatic heft to the fact that there was this rift between these groups is that we've seen, uh, especially Captain America and Iron Man be together for so long. But a lot of these other characters do have friendships and across movies. And I think if it's just here's some new guys that are have to get into a fight in 30 minutes. Then you end up with Batman v. Superman. Yeah, I don't I don't think it I don't think it work. I think for the storyline for the movie to have any emotional resonance, I I think you do need characters. And that's and that's been very, always very hard to do in movies, you're right, Doug. Besides stuff like Batman uh, versus Superman or really any movie where two characters that you find out are friends for 20 minutes like uh even the 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 Raimi Spider-Man movies with Franco and and mm-hmm. um you know they they just never had the time to develop their relationships. The reason Civil War works as well as it does is because they have movie upon movie where you get to know the characters individually, you get to know them as the group. It it puts the audience, I think, in a position of not knowing who to root for in a lot of ways because each side takes a lot of your, in theory, favorite characters.
2: They also do and a good job in – um. oh, go ahead, Aaron. No, no,
0: go ahead. No, go ahead. Um,
2: I, I was just going to comment on Civil War 2. One thing I like about that movie a lot on a story level is that it kind of works on two levels. For general audiences, there's, like, good reasons in story for, like, why Hawkeye might show up or why Ant-Man might show up. But in the larger universe, there's, like, oh, you know, Hawkeye owes Scarlet Witch a debt because her brother saved him. And Ant-Man, you know, has this. But it works still on a singular level. They just explain, like, oh, we found Ant-Man. Falcon knows him. He can call him in for help. So,
0: And it also works for me because it was always so frustrating watching television shows or movies uh, as a kid that had these like references or interconnected universe, where like they never used each other. Like, how many times are you watching like an old episode of Star Trek where like, hey, you had that solution five episodes ago? <laughs> why don't why don't why don't any fucking people remember what happened last week? Like, it's because because yeah. it was these like self contained stories. Where in these movies, like, you know, when, when Michael Douglas approaches Paul Rudd and Ant-Man, he's like, You you should call the Avengers. Like, they know each other yeah. and they are part of the same world. And that that answers a lot of the frustration as these kind of siloed movie franchises. And these movies, by having to kind of reckoning with a larger universe that they've successfully created, they get to have a lot of fun with why Iron Man is doing X and why why someone else is doing yeah. is doing Y. So again, I kind of Someone likened good blockbuster entertainment, not great but good, to like a roller coaster ride. Like hmm. you, you have fun. You go on it. It's a blast. Maybe you don't remember every turn, but like they, the the ride moves fast and you have a good time while you're there. And then every once in a while, you get a movie like Iron Man three in the in the universe that I think is like a legitimately um, great movie, but their you know their their hit their success to miss ratio is is if is insane compared to just any other Hollywood studios.
2: They have a better track record than Pixar this decade, and that's insane to
1: comprehend. Yeah. They have,
2: so, their high points aren't as high, but I do want
1: to. I do want to pass over the mic to Douglas. So Douglas, this is clearly something that's your. So I'm about to uh, can about. we can we?
0: I'm I'm gonna put in uh, Beastie Boys. Pass the mic. So Peter, if you could like do one of the verses quick, so that we can pass <laughs> it and then end it with. And I'm about to pass the mic to Doug. <laughs> <laughs> and then Doug, if you could start it with yes, yes, all, yeah, yes, all.
1: As much as I'm loving this, Peter says a thing, and then Aaron and then Aaron tells him he's wrong for 40 minutes. Thing, I'd love to hear what Doug thinks about this. Um, but yeah, D- Douglas. So yeah, where you're, you, this is something that's super super close to you. You know, you're incredibly knowledgeable about. Like what, what about the series speaks to you? What, what are your favorite entries? What do you, what is the MCU to you?
0: Yeah, well, Doug, you tell Peter why he's wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the MCU. Um... It's a fascinating thing to watch unfold. And it's been interesting because I mentioned earlier, I'm younger than you guys. So, it's been like, for my generation, it's been interesting to watch this thing unfold. I remember going to see Iron Man when I was 12. And I just liked the movie. I thought the movie was cool. I had no idea about these comic book, you know, things. I wasn't as much of a comic book guy as a kid. I knew about them. Uh, I wasn't as knowledgeable. But that's what really got me on the train, you know? like I was like, oh, I really like this. I want to do more of this and uh watching it just unfold (laughs) has been
1: you remember your first your first superhero experience like an alcoholic remembers his first martini
2: come sit around timmy i'll tell you about toby mcguire uh (laughs) but you know it was interesting to watch these movies unfold and um it for me the mcu has been a great uh franchise overall it's been an interesting very interesting storytelling experience in terms of both uh the expansive universe stuff but more importantly the Self-contained movies. I remember going to see The Avengers and... It, it was just – it was like Jurassic Park was for Aaron. Like he said, or Star Wars. And I'm sure there's already some people on Reddit or something uh, saying Disney paid me f- to say that. And I, they did. But that's besides the point. But in all seriousness, it was <laughs> – They paid um, you to say that about the original <sighs> Escape from Witch <Ridge> Mountain. <laughs> they said – they were like, S- say this about the computer wore tennis shoes, Doug.
0: Say it. Say no, it. <laughs> not not the original with Kurt Russell. The TV remake with Kurt Cameron.
2: <laughs> yes, that's the one. That's my bay. But, you know, the MCU for me is basically, it's a character-centric franchise. That's what I've always come down to. its it, They're so good at making individual characters that you like. And some of my favorite moments in the series have not been big action-heavy sequences. Though there's fun action, of course. But smaller character-centric moments, like Ultra, Vision in the final Ultron drone, talking about um, humanity's simultaneous uh, futility. Like, it's... Inevitable destruction, and it's also beauty. Uh, Rocket, at the end of Guardians, is just – God, I I relate to Rocket so much as a character. It's the little – it's these little details that I think actually make these movies big – And why they're so resonant with people. Why the Marvel movies tend to resonate is because the characters are so well-rounded. And the Marvel movies aren't afraid to show them vulnerable and make their superheroes feel things. They're not afraid to let their characters cry. They're not afraid to show them hurt. And they're not afraid to make them feel like they're actually going through something when they're doing these superhero antics. It makes... These larger-than-life characters feel at a more human level. And it's interesting. It's the same reason, I think, why they were so popular in the 60s. Like, why Spider-Man resonated when he first got introduced as the first teenage superhero, right? It It was like something that just got into people's psyche. Like, I know how you're feeling. You may be fighting criminals, but I understand you. And for me, that's why I like the Marvel movies overall. Not every single one of them. God knows. I mean, Thor 2 is middling. Incredible Hulk is a snooze. Iron Man 2 is what happens when they have no idea what they're even doing.
1: They're like, we need to get a new yeah. hero in there, and also, uh, 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 I guess Mickey Rourke can come.
2: <laughs> and I, and I'm really and oh I like my Spider-Man god, man! Too. But no, the MCU uh, for me, my favorites. You brought up like what my favorites are. Peter, um, Avengers is my favorite. I think uh, followed by the two Guardians movies. Those are also my favorites because James Gunn, man, he just knows how to do a movie. And the then, Guardians
1: do feel like they're the easy, easy lovables of the group because a they're the I think they're uh, uh, this is probably controversial. I think Iron Man three and the two Guardians movies are the only three f- actually funny movies of the group. Ant Man's kind of funny, mostly. You don't Polo you don't think you don't think Avengers is funny? The first one. I Not mean, really. I mean, did you a
0: few good jokes?
2: Didn't you think Stellan Skarsgård just romping around naked in Stonehenge and Thor 2 was just the hilarious? <laughs> I honestly,
0: I don't remember a damn thing about Thor 2 besides going like, oh, this is one of the only one of these movies that has felt super draggy and I'm waiting for the, the clock to run out, which is normally, that's that's a bad, if you're on a roller coaster looking at your watch, like, how many loop-de-loops
2: no, Thor 2 do is, we have left? Thor 2 is so clearly them not wanting to waste any villains before they do Ragnarok. Like, they clearly wanted to do Ragnarok as the final one of these. But they didn't want to use up any of the villains, and they're like, oh hell, we gotta still do one of these, don't we? Uh yeah, could not be was. Yeah, and those were those are my favorite MCU movies, and I guess I'm just rambly. I'm sure no one no, could uh, it. You are not. I mean, you, you love it. And I think you're right. I mean,
0: that that was that was the whole vision that Stanley stole, which is mm-hmm. human uh human heroes so that they're not as separated. And, you know, he stole it very well Used it for everyone And now He didn't
2: And now Jack Kirby And Steve Ditko's creations Are credited Ooh. to one man <laughs> The snipers are coming Hey I'm not seeing I'm not seeing them In any of these
0: movies so I don't know Who the fuck you're talking about Oh
1: Yeah I'm excited ex- I, 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 With the Infinity War stuff I just really don't give a shit As much about the main Avengers movies After Age of Ultron And not really that Being that into Civil War As a MCU movie uh, As a action movie Civil War kicked ass Like the The final fight Between K Cap and Iron Man is incredible. It's so cool to watch these guys just deconstruct each other. As you know, is is uh, in the first two Captain America movies uh, has have most of the best fight scenes in the series. So it makes sense Civil War would. I never thought the
2: Russo brothers would be such good like action guys, but the Captain America two and three have some really good action. I am probably the thing I'm most curious about in the next two Avengers. Honest to God, is like what they do with like sci fi action at their disposal. They've done very like low to the ground. Espionage kind of based action, like the stairway fight in Captain America three, the elevator in Winter Soldier. I'm curious to see what happens when they have like spaceships they can use. I, now. Like, I, I don't know if Thanos is even showing up to that second Infinity
0: War movie. Uh, he's going to be in <laughs> Infinity War. I think they've said he's the main character of Infinity War. Oh yeah, I remember someone suggesting that it was going to be a heist movie starring Thanos. Yeah, like all Which, I'm like that. That would be that's awesome. If they, no,
2: I will say that. Like when I read that, I was like, you know, if you if you literally do that. If Thanos is your main character, that could be a way for these characters to work where he's just popping – like it, we're following him going yeah. to like the Guardians universe and then he goes to the Black Panther stuff. And it's like, oh, OK. That could work. But it probably won't yeah. be that.
0: I, It'll I be- mean that oh, – I mean I, I actually think Marvel doesn't get enough credit for like trying different stuff in 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 their movies. So I, you know, a heist movie starring Thanos like – I think, and where you get to see glimpses of all the Avengers star before they come together, I think that I think that would work pretty well. So to kind of kind of transition to Iron Man three a little bit, I, I I'll just say that like I totally get that people aren't a fan of the Marvel movies mm-hmm. or have some that they want or want them to be better. I just think that their their demands of it in some ways always don't resonate to me because I feel like they're comparing it against I don't know the Dark Knight or the best versions of these these superhero movies that really transcend blockbuster
2: entertainment and become these great masterpieces. And I I just high-five you right now, Aaron. Everything you're saying, like, in the last minute, I just want to high-five, like, the Marvel doesn't get enough credit for the risks they take and everything. Just high-five you on that one, buddy. (laughs) Great. If you could just
0: emoticon me high-fives throughout this
2: (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> but so, oh,
0: make sure you hold on peter's on that chat too so if you could assign like put a little a, uh, a for next, Aaron. To, next to mine and then when peter says something you like put a little p like a little like a little p if you get my meaning it, it, that's what he has <laughs> oh um in his so pants. uh I, I think the the correct comparison because these are pole studio tentpole movies is other blockbusters and Most years, these are going to end up being your top five movies, probably, that were made for over $100 million. And yeah, those don't get the same level of, like, directorial freedom as, say, an A24 movie. Lady Bird and Thor Ragnarok are the same movie. Yeah, but I don't on the same know note, people... they are. They are giving these like amazing budgets to like a lot of our favorite indie film directors yeah. that they would never have the option to do, and it, they seem to be getting more exactly. and more.
1: Edgar <laughs>
2: yeah, what? well, Edgar Wright was the last consequence of that stupid uh, Ike Perlmutter creative team. I think he was legitimately. That was the only thing that kept him from doing it. I just have a hunch now. I mean, well, there, so
0: so one. I mean, one person who I'd like to see that movie. There still is, I mean, left. But I, I holding that like one director. Well, and also Patty Jenkins from Thor: Dark World, which was shitty too. But one thing I've noticed from Phase One to Phase Two and to now Phase Three is that I feel like the movies are getting riskier. They're yeah. letting more. Of, they're letting more of the director's vision seep in. They have a lot more confidence, and I really think the turning point was Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. which they pushed to August. And kind of were like, I don't know if this is going to work, but fuck it. With, like, James James Gunn doing it. And that became one of their biggest hits. And ever since then,
2: ever since then, it feels like they're a lot more like, all right, fuck it. Our movies are going to make money. In retrospect, it just feel like that was a turning point in terms of both, like, I think Kevin, just as a, like, 30-second history thing, like, Kevin Feige wanting to get away from the Ike Perlmutter stuff. And yeah. being like, yeah, look, the Guardians movie, I kept pushing. Like, I really... 2011, I said these should be a movie. Look, just let me be on my own. And mm-hmm. then Disney stepped in and was like, "Okay, Kevin Feige could just do whatever he wants, yeah, until the as long as he's making money." And yeah, I wish, now
0: I wish she just wanted more uh, LGBTQ and uh, <laughs> I wish she liked gay color color much, and,
2: and women. But. I just wish she liked gay people as much as he liked raccoons. You know, like can you just <laughs> put some of those in there? Like, can we have two men kissing at some point? Zero,
1: zero gay people in their movies. Uh, two major appearances by records.
2: and and hopefully soon a walrus, a talking walrus should make <laughs> Rocket's best buddy walrus should make an appearance in these movies. I hope. But they got Howard the Duck in there.
1: I two <gasps> two female walruses will pass the Be- the Bechdel test before they have a... character
0: <laughs> in there. Well, wasn't T- wasn't Tessa Thompson in uh, Thor?
2: Thor um, Ragnarok. She there's one moment, and if you have to friggin squint your eyes and know everything about the character there is one moment that is implied she is seeing like her lover she's seeing a female lover but it is n- no they don't get points for that that was to, to, know, really that's, there. that's
0: fair and 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 to be honest as, as much as it sucks that's not necessarily a marvel problem that is a disney problem
2: that's all Hol- that's hollywood that's disney just being like you gotta we could make $60 million in China if you just take out the gay characters. And like, okay.
0: Hey, are you guys ready? You guys ready to talk about one of the MCU movies that I think most of us here agree on? I'd say probably 100% that it's a good. Uh, oh, we're about to talk about Ghost
2: Rider Spirit of Vengeance? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, do you guys want to talk about specifically Iron Man 3?
2: I mean, if we have to,
1: sure. If we have to.
0: Let's do it. Excelsior. I here. we all just right. like talking about Doug, So you guys missed a great twenty-minute talk about all dogs' likes and dislikes and spooning preferences.
2: And it's true. Uh, I am always mother's to maiden the name. We're not stealing his identity, anyway. Mister Late Iron Man, you could have saved them. Okay, let's <laughs> go on.
0: Hey, What's on? What was on. that impression
2: of? <laughs> no, I was doing the snowman meme, like Mr. Iron Man, you could have saved them. I gave you all the suits. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we may have been talking about the snowman not any of that other stuff. Anyway, right. uh you know, technically Pure I'm alternate taglines, but Doug, I think the honor needs to go to you. What? Do you listen to our show?
2: I do indeed. Your alternate taglines are always the bestest, especially the ones that one time on the Hills of Eyes episode where you guys just started singing.
0: Oh, is that where that was? I don't that was, know. No, you guys uh, were just doing that. No. So, Doug, do you want to throw out a few alternate taglines for Iron Man 3? P.S. I should let you guys know this. Um, I didn't watch Iron Man 3. I watched Iron Man 1 and 2, which adds up to
2: 3. So, mm. I should be able to follow along fine. But That's how math works. Yeah. I failed all my math classes, so I would know. Um... All right, so do you just want me to do the alternate tagline right now? Go Nuts. Okay. I have two quick ones. Alternate Please. tagline number one. Robert Janney Jr.'s biggest fall since the late 90s. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, that works. Never mind. That works. That works fine. Uh, alternate tagline. Alternate tagline number two. The good Iron Man movie that pissed off the fanboys. <laughs> man, that's how you know it's a good Iron Man movie. Right? And we got to talk about that a little bit, at least a little bit cuz oh man, this movie in the nerd communities was controversial.
0: Yeah, I have a yeah. specific example of someone I went to it with who walked oh. walked in with an one of the I didn't even know he was going to do this. Like it was it was from back in North Dakota I went with some friends. Um and like he fucking went with the Iron Man like glowy thing under his t-shirt. Oh, I did that for the Avengers. Okay. I guess <laughs> the thing that you can buy. And he walked out of there like, that sucked.
2: Like, oh. What are you talking about? It's the best one. <laughs> that was the awesomest movie. This dude. is why I don't go back to North Dakota. <laughs> North Dakota. Don't go to Texas either. All
1: right. Uh, good. 90 second recap. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> After that. Then is that something I have to do? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Mr. Iron Man, Mr. Man of Iron, he's doing some superhero stuff. I didn't watch the movie. It's basically just the plot of Leaventura, but oh, uh, nice with Iron Man. (laughs) Nice. Tommy Starp uh, is Iron Man's, and Tommy. Tommy Starp. Tommy Starp. Tommy Boy. Is that not his name? Oh, Tommy Boy. Yeah, yeah. Calls Tommy Boy the whole movie,
2: (laughs) and he's like, oh,
1: Chris Farley.
2: Wait, that was a terrible Chris Farley impression. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's, that was just yelling a
2: name, Doug. That's
1: not
0: impression. It's not how impressions work. You're not Andy Kaufman.
2: <laughs> my name
1: is Tony Stark, and I my house is now next to a van down by the river. <laughs> All right, you keep going, Mike. Okay, just keep so, going, Peter. T- so, Timmy Stark, aka Metal Boy. <laughs> Uh, he, he, uh, is recovering from the, uh, previous trauma at the end of the Avengers when he went through like a wormhole and he has post-traumatic stress disorder and he's currently throwing himself headlong into his ambitions. He's, uh, devising, um, a special suit and he's devising, uh, you know, more automated robots. Uh, he's, there's, I think there's like 47 versions of the Iron Man suit. Is that They're at Mark 47, at least. Uh, while that is happening, uh, he is uh, having a flashback to his past. He's sort of thinking about where he's been, where he uh, wronged a man. He, uh, you know, insulted a man who was just trying to, uh, you know, strike up business with Tony back in the old days when Tony was a douchebag, before he was humbled with the <laughs> shrapnel of his own bomb in the first movie. And uh, this man comes back to haunt him. He's now handsome. He's cool uh he's uh you know developed tattoos a lot of all over his body he's got dragon tattoos which is how you can tell he's a cool guy uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the other weird thing is like a girl in the dragon tattoo i'm like i'm like yeah she's fucking cool and then when guy pierce takes his shirt off in this movie i was like boo boo <laughs> no I will- to Ed hardy <laughs>
0: Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> sorry, t- Douglas, we try to edit out Peter's homophobia, but. <laughs>
1: Please do! It's making me
2: very uncomfortable. Gross, <laughs> guy with a shirt off. I know, Peter.
1: I mean, uh, Michael, it's no, just I, I, nipples. Uh, and here's the thing I love Guy Pierce, so him taking his shirt off pretty good but then you see this ed hardy bullshit and you're like come on not cool dude uh anyways so actually that is perfect a a dragon tattoo is a perfect example of a guy who was a super weird nerd and he like worked his way up into being his own like weird contrived version of a cool sexy guy i never even thought of that but you're right that actually is an interesting way to visually
2: depict that yeah i
1: don't know if if that's actually the way it is or if if shane black was just like dragons are cool (laughs) shane black's like
2: yeah that's it that's the ticket (laughs) You cracked the code
1: So, uh, anyways uh, This this developer is trying to steal Pepper, Pop, Pepper Potts' heart And he's also trying to uh, You know, get involved with Tony In some mysterious way While this is also happening uh, Another person from Tony's past comes in And uh, intercepts him After he has made an enemy Of this new villain named The Mandarin The Mandarin is, I think it's uh, Mahatma Gandhi Came to America And, uh, he decided that he wanted a Chinese name and a Southern accent and, uh, this Mahatma Mahatma Gandhi, uh, decides that he wants to do terrorisms on the U S and it's just not good. It's not good to do terrorisms. So Iron Man. So he's like, he's like the opposite of Gandhi. He's like a, he's like a came D. Yeah. So this is like, somebody tried to shoot Gandhi and this is like a sequel to it. Um, canonically Gandhi (laughs) is in the MCU Tugan, two um, D. <laughs> Tugan, t- thank you very much. Uh, Gandhi is c- canonically in the MCU now. Uh, after somebody tried to shoot him, he comes back. He decides to blow up the U.S. for and doing terrorisms. And uh, while that's also happening, uh, we're starting to see the threads connect that this guy, the Mandarin, and Guy Pierre sexy dragon boy, uh, are actually connected. Uh, hmm. As Iron Man is investigating. This series of suicide bombings. These movies are so fucking long. Uh,
2: this suicide, <laughs> suicide well,
1: bombings. We'll have the plot recap. Spin me
0: just saying well, stupid things. Here's what we're gonna find out. I think this month, Peter. So, so hold this in your mind. This is also a Shane Black symptom, where they're very convoluted, complicated plots.
1: Plot. Oh my god. And yeah. And yet, weirdly, you stay like you feel like you're up to date with them. That's one of his charms. Is that he has these like. Uh, Really complicated uh, neo noir plots that you like feel like you're you're in the moment. So I'm kind of ruining his art here, but anyways. uh, So as is happening, there's these suicide bomb plotting going on. Uh, The former director of the movies, John Favreau, gets injured, so Shane Black has to come in. He uh, so basically uh, Iron Man has now figured out that the Mandarin is a uh, you know a front, a patsy. He's a uh, he's a goof around. Yeah, he's a goofing around, a goofing all for uh, Guy Pierce, who is using him to commit terrorism, so Guy Pierce can actually uh, take over the U.S. Uh, He wants to kill the president and sort of play this media war with the U.S., wherein the president dies and he can like build his super soldier army of these extremist soldiers. Like it's it. What, what? Where? Why is Guy Pierce doing this? So he wants to
0: basically. So he's gonna have. He has the vice president on his side because he's gonna cure his daughter or niece or something.
1: So while this is happening, uh, Iron Man um, uh, mer- calls in his his Iron Man army and also brings in War Machine, um, Don Cheeto, who got re- re- uh, he got. Um, uh, sort of a uh, plastic surgery to not look like Terrence Howard anymore. He uh, It was just a casting change. Oh shit, that's not canonical? So then, uh, so Tony, uh, comes in and he stops, uh, Guy Pierce from doing his, his bad terrorisms and, uh, he brings in all the, the other Iron Mans and there's a big battle between Guy Pierce. And his army of extremis soldiers, and all the Iron Man's, and oh no, Pepper Potts got turned into an extremis too. She falls and dies, and then she didn't die, and she's an extremis, and then she kills, she kills uh, Guy Pierce with uh, karate and friendship. I mean, heartwarming. It's the perfect and Christmas the end, movie. And at the end, there's some bullshit that Tony has to figure out for the MCU. He's like, and then I decided to get shrapnel in no, my heart.
2: No, the ending's <laughs> the worst part of the movie because it's obvious they didn't know what was going on with Robert. So they just rushed through this really important character transformation in like a line of dialogue. It's like,
1: oh, and I got my heart fixed. and I everyone got my heart fixed because before I was just like, I, I don't give a shit about my and heart. And
2: everyone in the audience is like, what?
1: Wait, what? What's going on? Are you not Iron Man? It's so abrupt. It's, no. like the, it's like the serious people were like, for all you nerds out there that expect this uh, heart thing to come back, like, we're going to make it go away right now. It,
2: it's uh, kind of weird because none of the you know, normally I might be like, well, there's something in Avengers 2, you know, that they might need him not to have the heart. No, there's nothing in the subsequent movies that even reference that he doesn't have shrapnel in his heart anymore. He could just be walking around with it still. It's very weird.
1: Yeah, my so my problems with all the my problem, all my problems with the endings are kind of wrapped up together in that like last five ten minutes where it's just like bad plot decision, bad plot decision. And all of it feels like MCU demands that were put on Shane Black. I guess I had a much different read um, on the ending of this movie
0: because it does fit with the rest of the movie. Hmm. And, and I think it really works well for like, it, first of all, like Doug said, if anything, the ending of this movie actually can potentially screw up the Marvel cinematic universe because he blows up all his Iron Man suits, which yeah. is a plot point in the other movies. Um, I think it actually still works and I'm going to explain why.
1: Oh, sorry. I, I think it's so they can't have Deus Ex Marvel, uh, you know, Iron Man suits. And then in uh, well, Avengers 2, there's just a shit ton of, uh, the, the the Ultron suit Although they, so well, no, they he do He of his Iron Man's To have a bunch of Ultrons
2: Well no in Avengers 2 He does still have them though He's converted them Into like guard robots Like when they're attacking yeah. The Hydra base at the beginning Well he makes like... He makes different ones So this is why I think it
0: works So the ending of this movie is Tony actually says Like yeah Now I'm gonna I'm actually gonna focus On removing this You're right that he hasn't Thought about doing it In the last 8-10 years However long it's been Since Iron Man Because he As he talks about So many times in this movie it's not just about the PTSD from the New York incident or whatever. It's also – he has a perfect line of dialogue where he's like, these things are part of me. And he can't let go from the trauma that he experienced in the first movie in the cave. And that's kind of what the whole like Iron Man uh, isolated arc of these movies is. is It's not just overcoming the trauma that he experienced in New York. It's overcoming the trauma that started this that led him down this path. I love that the end of this movie is is him kind of saying, oh, yeah, I could have figured that out in the last 10 years. That This is how easy it was for me to do. This is how much I wasn't focused on it. And I think that does work thematically of him kind of shackling off the reins and starting to see th- his suits – which is kind of metaphorically works for the explosion, mm-hmm. no longer as a, a appendage of him. It is him essentially defeating the, the – that the, before the Iron Man and all the suits were like his own internal demons that he was fighting for control of his world – with And th- at the end of this movie, he realizes he doesn't need to fight for control. He blows up the suits that he had. He removes the thing that's keeping him physically and, in, as we find out, kind of emotionally and mentally connected to the suits. And that's kind of the end of that. And how why I think that works so well for a contained arc and how it actually works also in the Marvel Universe is that after this, we get Avengers 2. We get Civil War. Where Iron Man no longer is having the internal conflict of controlling himself and how the suits work with him, but instead is now focused on, I'm going to use these suits to basically do the same fix I did on myself in the world. And that kind of turns the the Iron Man trilogy from this inward focus thing where he is basically fighting himself – To now outward where he's trying to – in the same way that he's finally taken back control of his own body to control the world. So now his suits aren't necessarily a reflection of him that he controls as much anymore. Now they're there to control the world and be this like patrol unit. So – I think the ending works for the trilogy. I think the ending works for everything they set up in this movie. And I think that then the shift that we see in Tony Stark is also a great little twist in his happy ending is he defeated his demons. The problem is when a person like Tony Stark doesn't have internal demons to fight, Mm -hmm. he starts looking for external demons throughout the world. And that's dangerous for someone that isn't as in control of himself as he thinks he is. So I love everything about the ending how it works with the other ones yeah i guess to be honest i'm a little so i didn't i didn't see it as like a marvel universe demand it it seemed to me like the most logical conclusion to this in the same way at the end of iron man one tony stark is just like oh yeah i'm iron man and at the end of this one he's like oh yeah i could fix it i just had not applied
2: myself since i set it up yeah i applaud more applause emojis to you aaron uh really good really concise especially on the subsequent tony stark appearances i love what he's been going through in age of ultron Civil War um and even Homecoming where there's definitely they do some really interesting things with how he's got a he's he's a controlling person and he's got a the world around him is just he just wants to make sure everything's right and tidy and it's just trying to control all that yeah, just doesn't and maybe, work. And maybe
0: maybe someone like Tony you know a lot of these superhero movies are about conquering your inner demons and I love the subversion of that which is yeah. Well, once he conquers his inner demons, in some ways, he actually is more dangerous to the world. Uh,
1: That is the best part, I think, of these developing movies is uh, Robert Downey Jr. getting antsy and then him being like, okay... I need to figure out something else to do with this character otherwise I want to get out of here cuz like he has more money than God at this point and he's going to be keep making money forever. Yeah. And he's he got only the... stars in Iron
2: Man movies now. No, 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 Aaron, he's going to now start an only Iron Man and Dr. Doolittle movies starting in 2019. Come on,
1: and of course, uh, the judge to uh, keep on judging (laughs) to to Uh, the now we're directly
2: stealing from Blank Check. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I Uh, want more judge. I want more Robert (laughs) Downey Jr. incest storylines, man.
1: (laughs) I'm judge. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he gets off. I'm making this up or not? The emotional journey from taking the best part of the developing series is. the Civil War arc. I have almost no excitement for Infinity War, but the best part about it in the Civil War arc is the idea of Tony being this character who's like he went from this like brash playboy, and instead of doing alcoholism like they did in some of the comics, and instead of doing which I, is he is he canonically a drunk in the oh. View? Um, no. there's one not, hint of he drinks. I think he.
2: They were hinting a demon in the bottle in Iron Man 2 Like they use it a little bit, but it's barely there. Like okay, because in the bit. comics
1: he's like a he, yeah. He got yeah. his shrapnel no, in Vietnam, and he's I, I haven't read that many of the comics, but I've uh, don't
2: don't read the original comics because they've not aged well. The Vietnamese stereotypes in it are kind of just. Ugh.
1: I I would imagine. I mean, also we'll get into the Mandarin stuff. Uh, didn't handle uh, yellow scare stuff very well. No, they did not. From the uh, so, anyways,
2: so and if we're being honest, the Middle Eastern characters in the first Iron Man haven't aged well either. But you know,
1: we still don't do good Middle Eastern we characters don't Middle Eastern characters. So that's that's fine.
2: why uh, we need Camilla uh, Khan in these movies.
1: Yeah, we just need to figure that shit out like twenty years ago. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Uh, that arc of him being this control freak, this play, this playboy who uh, gets older and starts to have more of a sense of, um, I'm not just, this is, the world isn't my play thing. I need to uh, take ownership for my power. And then he stops. And he, and he keeps stepping up, right? In the first movie, he doesn't he decide he's, like, not going to sell arms anymore. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just keeps going on. He's like, well, now I'm going to be a superhero. And then his movies go on. He's like, actually... All of us having this superhero power is not a, uh, a feasible thing for the world to get behind. We need to have checks and balances. Like, the sort of, like, a, 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 the adult view of the government. Like, it, it's weird that Tony, this, like, libertarian dude, became like, a <laughs> liberal over the course of these movies. And, and Cap, who is, uh, uh, you know, a World War II throwback, is like... Don't you insult no. Cap by calling him that. By calling him no. a libertarian. <laughs> No, I want to throw my my big World War II dick around. (laughs) (laughs) Civil War is entirely about why uh, Captain America wishes for deregulation and the rest of us are like, well, actually, superheroes probably should have some regulation. Uh, So Iron Man 3, let's get into the Mandarin thing right now. Okay, so nerds were really fucking mad about the fact that they took an old racist character... (laughs) The most
2: racist and they were comic like, Let's book. Let's
1: not ge- make him racist anymore. And nerds were like, "But it needs to be racist."
2: But wait, wait, Peter, are you saying that the same comic book geeks who said that Michael B. Jordan couldn't be the Human Torch, and the same comic book geeks who get in a fluster over female Ghostbusters,
1: might have, like, rate wanted a racist villain? I, I don't even know. Is that, all I'm saying is that Bustin can't make me feel good when there's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, li- Are you- I like I like that all these people
0: also like boycott any product that got rid of like their racist mascot in the 50s <laughs> they're like I-, I only buy original Quaker oats with the super racist hey. Uncle Ben
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have to really go look for them but they're out there I don't like
0: they made them so uncle
1: <laughs> my <laughs> favorite image for 2017 actually it was it's like at least five years old and it is the Cleveland Indians fan standing in front of an actual American Indian <laughs> and the American <laughs> Indian looks at him like with a disappointment that you you can't even feel for your children, yeah. like you, you have to feel it for the entire human race. <laughs> but anyway, so so basically, what happened is, and I I, I kind of get why the nerds are mad, two percent only because somebody was a fan of this character and then they promised this character, even if it was whitewashed. Which the, these type these type of nerds don't give a shit about whitewashing. They just want their they're for, they're profession. very woke. Yeah, they're very woke. They don't give a shit about whitewashing. They just want their character on screen.
0: They they wanted someone that talks like uh, Trey Parker doing.
2: <laughs> oh <Jesus>. yeah, Exactly.
1: <laughs> oh no. Uh, so the the racist wanted the racist wanted racism. But seriously these these nerds need to um uh, fuck off because the idea of actually putting a real mandarin in the movie is insane to me and the idea of taking <laughs> yeah. the mandarin which is a part of their nerd history and recontextualizing it to turn America's xenophobia against yeah. itself is so clever yeah and it's I'm actually guessing, a really brilliant decision honestly it's super subversive and yeah. it, it, it's something that's like i think maybe the most subversive thing that they've done in any of these movies like honest i like, i love the fact that at, at the end of guardians of the galaxy 2 i almost cried and i never cry at movies that's not like subversive though that's that's just good filmmaking that's good that's good character building
2: the Mandarin being a, a sub, like, turning, yes, yeah, z- turning xenophobia on its head and Thor Ragnarok being, like, actually about the harsh long-term consequences of colonialism are probably the two most interesting political themes running through the MCU, I, I would say. They're, like, the most interesting themes of, like, oh, I'm thinking of these movies now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that the the Mandarin thing is especially great because once they pull the rug out from underneath you, they give you a... Maybe Ben Kingsley's best performance in Sexy Beast. Yeah, he's great in this movie. Yeah. He's just funny. Oh, he's so funny. So it's probably his best performance in, a, in almost a decade, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. He's
2: I so forgot funny. he could
1: be funny in it. I honestly forgot he yeah. could be funny. He's Sexy really good Beast at it. is the last time he was funny, I think.
2: And he's good at actually selling the villain part. I remember watching it for the first time and not knowing the twist was coming. Yeah. They did a good job concealing the twist, man. They just there was not even a whisper of that, but um, and just he was actually very intimidating. But when he walks out of that bathroom, Kingsley just owns it. Oh my god!
1: Yeah, it's also great because it's it's the sort of twist that I love because it's not the sort of twist that um flips over and then you're like, oh well, now the movie is just making fun of me for not coming up with this. It's the sort of yeah twist yeah comes up with it. Tony Stark is also like. Motherfucker, like you're not even the real Mandarin? like he's falling asleep during exposition, I mean. <laughs> And then not only do they hint at it heavily, he said when during the um the for the fortune cookies monologue, where he said where he says, like, do you know fortune cookies aren't even Chinese? And you're like, he's calling himself the Mandarin, and he's saying something is not. He, yeah, he basically Chinese. described the whole twist. Well, there's yeah. interesting. So, it's interesting watch it,
2: because yeah. there's like little moments, like the one bit where he's like in the first video, where he's going where he's talking about it, and then he it cuts to him just going, I I did that. And when you're first watching it, it's like, oh, he's just so casual about this. But then when you're watching it with Trevor in mind, it's almost like he's peeking from behind the curtain. Where it's like, I did that. I did that. And it's interesting to see those double layers. It's it's really well done. It's great. And it also works. I mean,
0: I, I think it's supposed to, in some ways, be a little bit of a metaphor for, like, American foreign policy. Where, hey, we actually created our own worst enemies. You know, it's Skype yeah. who's actually created this, like – false person who is uh and then trying to destroy our our country internally to make a profit by pitting basically the American government and um using his technology to to fight these like um terror attacks, which uh is definitely an uh I think Shane Black didn't get to make his Iraq war metaphor. Uh, in the in the early or
1: mid 2000s, so he's a little late, but I think he's still on point. He might have made it. He he might have been in one of those awful movies like War Inc or something, though. So like we kind of lucked out. Shane Black had to take a little break because he might have done something really embarrassing when the iron was hot, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. The original Iron Man was kind of. I mean, the original Iron Man was also on Iraq War you know a lot more a lot more brazen in that it's really about someone selling weapons to keep to keep a never-ending war machine
2: going but i guess that was before the universe had really sunk in and that one's also kind of dated as i said earlier too on it which is kind of an evidence of like oh this has some really uncomfortable things if you watch it now
0: yeah people are really still hoping for that new outcast album it's not coming 2008 people
1: but don't worry sir Lush's left foot is gonna be great big boy is gonna give you a little bit of what you need
0: what the hell are and you people that, talking about a little bit because those next two albums here comes the boom not great
2: what the not hell are you people great. talking about
0: <laughs> sweetie sweetie we were very oh, excited about outcast dog, for a down. bunch of years and what's we
2: still an are. outcast is that like a? <laughs> is that a f- drug
0: I'm, so I'm not sure if, if Douglas is being sincere. I really don't know I'm not what sure is, is. You don't know who Outcast is? I don't know what Outcast is. You knew some random guy that worked <laughs> in Marvel Studios like letters and emails he sent.
1: Why don't oh, you know shit. what Outcast Douglas, is, Douglas? Douglas, <laughs> you, Do you know, hey go y'all, listen to the Love Below and Speaker Box, the double album. I am that home. That outcast put out. Don't <laughs> no. Don't start with that one. <laughs> it's the best album. All right,
2: I'm going to pause Are the recording. Kidding? and I'm going to go watch it. <laughs> That, I, mean, I mean, I love, love that. Look, I love film, that album, but that's. Album, I mean, it's too. Okay, I'm Douglas Lehman, and we love to listen to Outcast, Uh Alternate tagline for this album the one that derailed Iron Man 3 conversation. <laughs> the, here, here's the problem I think everything we've done is derailed Iron Man 3. But it's, it's fine. It's
0: Again, it made 1.2 billion, pe- billion people. It weighed uh, we, 1.2 billion people. We've been talking for a
2: long time. I think we'll officially go off the rails if we start talking about people fornicating on picnic tables. That's when we're really, again, if we go back to that topic, <laughs> we're going to just go off the rails forever. I just want to <laughs> say this. I'm worried
0: that if I keep the outcast stuff <laughs> in anyone who's listening to this podcast who disagrees with you, Doug... And then since you're closer to me, will then disagree with me. We'll be, like, justified. We'll be totally justified. and be like, man, this guy just sounds it's like, like a fucking nerd. And then he's going to get to the point where he's like, I've never heard of what an outcast is.
1: They're going to go, yep, fucking told you. I'm going to listen to shit this idiot says. Holy. But, like, okay, so there's a Roger Ebert quote about the third man that he says, I envy the man who doesn't see the third man because... He hasn't seen the third man yet. Um definitely paraphrasing there. Uh I envy you <laughs> man, for not Roger Ebert heard... really
0: kind of
2: spoke in tweets.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I envy you for not having listened to Love Below or Speakerbox yet. Well, I appreciate it. It is insane.
2: I'm gonna listen to Outcast soon, I hope.
1: You'll love and... it. It's so fun and I'm... heartfelt I, and I, I yeah, ju- you will like it. I just
2: got into the Wu Tang clan train, so I'm really I'm gonna pump adding this to my caboose. But yeah. uh do Stankonia. What's up? Stankonia is Stangonia. the name of the album. Yeah, <laughs> I Stangonia. thought you were coughing. I was like, Sorry, I can't we're, say that without laughing. Sokovia? Is that I mean.
1: Stang-o- okay. a Stankonia? Stankonia. That's <laughs> Stankonia. <laughs> Stankonia. Yeah, like like a, a a country that a country that was split up in the Bosnia Herzegovina war. Ah,
2: yes, that's. That's a great reference.
0: <laughs> We're doing all the topical uh, things tonight. Stankonia, or yeah, Stankonia is the best one. But uh, definitely so, listen to Rosa Parks in a vacuum too. What the hell yeah. are these album titles? No, Rosa Parks just a song.
2: Oh, oh, have you heard Hey Ya? Oh yes, I've heard it. Oh, is that them? Oh yes. My God. Okay.
0: Darren, <laughs> shut up. I mean, hey, so hey, uh, sounds nothing like the rest of their songs, but that is, that is them.
1: I mean, I've so, listened, I mean, if they, if it's not Smash Mouth, I just haven't listened to it. This movie kind of has three really good villains, I think. Uh, the Mandarin is a great villain, because he's, like, somebody who's willing to bend over backwards and be a patsy willingly, because, like, somebody fed his inner demons. Yeah. Um, good, good. He's funny. Good reflection of Tony
2: Stark trying to fight his demons, too, right?
1: Oh, yeah. And then... And then, uh, they said I they'd think... take you off drugs. No, they said they'd give me
2: more. <laughs> That's one of my favorite <laughs> lines.
1: And I, I'm so good. And then I think James Badge Dale is actually a really, really good henchman. One of the best, yeah, us, one of the best henchmen it had.
2: He, he has more to do in this than like Jaiman, Poor and Hansu and Guardians, who had nothing to do. James actually has yeah. some fun action moments. He's like, it's, I liked when he's like holding the kid hostage, he's actually kind of intimidating there. You're like, oh. Is he going to get out of this one? Which is what you do in these movies.
1: James Matt is one of my favorite like, unsung uh, actors uh, of of, of this area. He by far played my favorite
0: of Kim's boyfriends on 24.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 24. You were a thing. He's so he's so awesome on the Pacific and like even even when he shows up in movies like World War Z that clearly are trouble productions and like yeah. you would forgive him for phoning it in um he is one of the best parts of World War Z. He was
2: actually not bad in 13 Hours the Michael Bay Benghazi movie. That he's really
1: good at he's really good at, at you, that. You don't that have to see
2: it. all of the movies.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah, you're not But I fans. do, Aaron. Um, <laughs> I'm so, the human FX Human FX. That's a great <laughs> nickname for you. Um Beacon of so, Light Boy, Human FX. Maybe you should be
0: human Pandora so you can hear Outcast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, think, know, I think James baggedale is uh terrific in this movie. He has a great sense of menace. There's a bunch of scenes where he's like just chewing he's chewing gum and just like smiling smugly as yeah. he's like as he's like uh about to get his ass rocked. It's so charming. I, I want him to play. I wish he was I wish he was still in the MCU because he's like way more uh, charming Peter? than a lot of them. And who's the third of a good villain in your book? Uh, so I think I think I Pierce is a good villain that gets underserved by not having a great monologue at the end. So that does it keeps him from being great. So I think he's a good villain because he's Tony. St- he's, he's somebody who's competing with Tony Stark on that same level of smug, charming bullshit. But like, yeah, but like we as an audience can see through his bullshit. But like it sort of highlights the fact that like if. Tony didn't want. If Tony wanted us to not think he was charming, Tony would tell the story differently. And this is Tony's story. The movie is framed by his narration. Tony is making himself look charming in the story. Oh, that's um, another controversial element, but we'll get to that later.
0: I don't yeah, know if it, we. I don't know if we will, to be honest. <laughs> we're we're over yeah. two hours already. <laughs> we're
2: almost two and a half hours. Oh my god, we're going really um, to the movie for sure. But no, it Geithers is like Ronan in this movie to me, in Guardians, where he's not a great villain, because he's not very thoughtful, he's he's not very, like, well-captivating or whatever, but he's a serviceable villain, he's a solid one, and he's pretty entertaining at times, like, again, yeah. like Ronan.
1: Yeah, Guy Pierce is awesome. And I agree with the themes of the movie. Aaron highlighted something earlier that I really want to point out with Pepper Potts coming back. Let's accept the movie for what it is. Pepper Potts comes back at the end when Tony cannot save her. Tony does not catch her from falling into the fire. Tony basically accepts her as being dead. And then she rises to save him. All of Tony's plans, all of his machinations cannot save the one person in the world that matters him more than anything. Um, I would love if Tony's foil, Tony's, Charming douchebag foil and Guy Pierce got murdered by Maya in that third act because that would also be women's taking back their power from the men that said that they would, you know, I'll help you, baby. Like, I'll keep things, I'll keep things going. Like, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you just have to trust in my ego and I'll, you know, I'll control the organization. You'll be more powerful than you ever think. Like, obviously, Tony does it less mischievously. Clearly, Pepper and Tony are in love, but like, I, I, It would have made for a better movie if Maya had come in because – if Maya had taken over the movie for from him because that would fit – that would match the theming of Pepper falling into the fire and shit.
2: Basically, and it's interesting because Maya really doesn't get a good send-off. It's very abrupt. This
0: is what we didn't really get a chance to talk about yet, and I think it's maybe okay because we're going to have so much time to talk about it in the next three Shane Black movies – but one thing that chain black is so good at is layering um inversions and twists on top of each other so shooting maya i think is such a good chain black movie because in most movies You wouldn't shoot that person so abruptly. Um, I would have liked it better if that was Guy Pierce. That would have been even more unexpected. That's obviously what he wanted to do. He didn't get a chance to do it. But some other examples of of that kind of Shane Black touch, we already talked about. And it can be everything as simple as a line reading where you know Tony Stark asked something like, oh, they offered to get you off drugs, which is the normal way these movies go. And Shane Black understands Hollywood conventions so well that it's funny enough for him to say, oh, no, they wanted to give me more. Because that is the more human probably reaction to get someone like that to, to do what, what you want. And it just it just keeps going throughout this movie. Uh, and one, one place it's really exemplified is the relationship that Tony has with the kid in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where the, the movie never, ever um, tries to make a cutesy relationship. It always lets Tony be Tony – got some of the funniest line deliveries. And again oh, for like a family so yeah. for like a family Disney movie to be like, yeah, father's leave. Don't be a pussy about it. Like, yeah. like he never lets up every time you think he's going to like warm up to the kid. And or not warm up to the kid, but kind of offer him some fatherly support. He never does it. And again, his version his version of that is so perfect with the character too, mm-hmm. because he gives him uh presents at the end, which is what his father did to him. Yeah. his father was a rich guy who gave him stuff.
1: Aaron, Aaron, you uh so hit the nail on the head. Yeah, you did. Uh sweetie. Bravo. Um Sweetie, honey. Uh Baby I pie. No- I have this verbatim in my notes. Uh, That line, dad's leave, no no need to be a pussy about it. Shane Black, in a nutshell, ruining a cliche. Yep.
2: uh, Let me ask you this real quickly. In terms of the auteur sensibilities of, like, the most auteur-friendly Marvel directors, um, would you, I'm thinking right now, and I want to see if you guys agree with me, like, the one-word traits of the four most notable auteurs in here, Shane Black has subversiveness, Joss Whedon has the ensemble, like, he loves ensembles. He I'd say loves- quips, too. Well, ensembles and quips, yeah. Uh, James Gunn likes to humanize the uh, humanize the heightened. Like, he wants to lend the heart to the raccoon. He wants to make the space, ast- like the Han Solo guy, have some depth. He humanizes the weirdos. Takai Waititi loves the wacky. Would you guys agree with that? Or am I off base?
1: No, that's a pretty,
0: I think. No, that's I, think, probably- I think it's good.
1: I think these are all pretty fair, like, uh, sort of like a trademark and tropes of them. Yeah, it doesn't apply to every movie. Like, I don't think Slither
2: has anything like that in there, but yeah, it's sort of... So this is where I think James
0: Gunn really excels, is uh, finding the mundane and the fantastical. Yeah, yeah. Slither does really well, and Guardians of the Galaxy by kind of keeping with that kind of everyone's a real character. And, you know, why? it's yeah. why it kind of works that like Chris Pratt makes like, oh, don't put a black light in here when he's traveling on a fantastical spaceship in this yeah. crazy world because he himself as a character is never – you know, that's that's in some ways where like the Obi Wans and Luke Skywalkers, they're not the most relatable characters because they are they are just as much in the fantastical world as mm-hmm. as as the world itself. Like they're a part of that world. And James Gunn is very good at, at making regular people interact with um craziness in an amusing way.
2: Yeah. There's definitely...
1: Yeah, Aaron, I think that's really well observed. Um, And I also want to throw on that... I I really like that Peter is finally... Saying some positive
0: things about
2: me, Peter and Aaron. The bridge has been mended. The love is worn, <laughs> and all it took was a nerd in the basement.
1: We had a we had what was basically one of those bridges. We're adopting dog,
2: We're moving to
1: the country. You know what? You know when you're in a garden and they have one of those stupid little bridges that, like, all you would have to do is step down six inches and then you're there. Yeah, yeah. That's the bridge we built. Yeah, uh, yeah and I know. and I'm gonna break it again. But yeah, all I'm saying is that I I, I agree with you, Douglas. To to add to your point, um. The, the humanization and the sympathy that he gives for monsters, weirdos, and freaks is totally in, and the people that you don't expect is totally in Super, and it's even in Slither. In Slither, he definitely has sympathy for, um, for Grant Grant, which is, insane because the movie is about a shitty controlling husband who turns into a monster who just wants to extend his control and there are even moments of weakness in grant grant where you're like you do really love her like it, it, james gunn that's why J- that's james gunn's secret is what aaron said that his love of ending adding the mundane to the supernatural the crazy to make it uh relatable but also to make stuff relatable he doesn't just make black and white heroes and villains. He adds a little no. wonderful shades of gray to all of his weirdos and freaks to make sure that you're, you're feeling for them.
0: Yeah. So we, we really are – I mean <laughs> we're really running short on time. I want to just quickly run through any other moments we didn't mention uh, through all of us. Just kind of throw them out. I'll mention a few things very quickly. Um, I love I, the the bomb plan is extremely clever. Um, yeah, I like that he gets to do a little Batman detectiveing. But you know, it was when he figures it out. It was a fun reveal to the audience where you're like, oh, if they could make that work in real life, that would be a great plan for what uh, I
2: mean. If you wanna, if you wanna cause terror, I actually like too plan. that uh, Shane Black gets to incorporate a little bit of other more mature ish. I guess. Not like, you know, you guys know what I mean, right? Just more unexpected storytelling in these kind of superhero movies with the reasoning for why the townspeople didn't suspect yeah. anything about the bombing, like the the soldier that got killed off, where it's like, oh, they said that's the souls that go to heaven. And it's like, yeah, yeah that probably would have been, that really would have probably been the explanation in Tennessee or whatever, right? He
0: but, does kind of treat Tennessee like it's back in
2: time, but whatever. It's um, fine. Um, I don't care about this anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I love, I love. State's.
2: Yeah, I know. Uh, Screw them.
0: <laughs> I love the missile reveal on TV. Um, mm-hmm. where Maya's like, should we be concerned about that seconds before it hits? I like that all the bad guys in this movie are basically a bunch of T-1000s,
2: which feels yeah. like Shane Black did that on purpose. <laughs> um, I is- really I really just want to say as a shout out to some a scene I can't believe we haven't talked about, which is the airplane rescue. Oh, yeah. Great. great superhero like a just a great traditional
1: superhero saving scene like i love that it's and it, edited well and before and it was before the batman v superman man of steel stuff which i think is is overblown but this is not the time or place but i i do think that the idea that like those movies are kind of inhuman and ignore human very human struggle uh, uh, i think the if I'll, I'll i'll i agree that we
2: shouldn't get n- nosedived on that like one sense i'll just mention on that that i think man of steel is very much guilty of that but I think the subsequent movies took the wrong lessons from it.
1: But anyway, so my point was my, my point was that the the, the triangle, uh, you know, catching thing where he's like, and I will lock up your arm with uh, electricity is also a nice nod at like, that's something that Shane Black can't not put in a script sometimes when he's like, this is a technical detail that if I don't put in, some nerd is going to give me shit about in six months. So let's do that yeah. right now. Uh, and, Fuck and you, great. CinemaSins. And it's great superheroics that doesn't feel. Uh, oh my god, fuck CinemaSins. But it's. It took you a minute. That, uh, fuck CinemaSins a thousand times over. Uh, Please do. It, it, it's something that uh, doesn't feel. I'm going to put a ding um, right there because that's your like, first sin. <laughs> oh, screw you, Aaron. <laughs> it doesn't feel cheap. And it also doesn't betray the character as as we've seen, as Aaron pointed out and Douglas pointed out, It doesn't betray the character. But it also is just like this wonderful scene where you're like, you're finally like, oh, my God, Iron Man isn't defending who he is now. He's becoming the person that you understand. Like, this is why he's fighting for his suits. This is why he's fighting to stay Iron Man. Otherwise, he would just be a rich dude blowing money on toys. Right.
0: Yep. Uh, last two things I would say: the uh, the most Shane Black line that's ever Shane Blacked is in this movie, uh, and I do love it, which is where when the when the suits all show up and <laughs> over Christmas movie, or over Christmas music, Robert Downey Jr. says, "It's Christmas, take me to church, bring which him to church," is it's like so- it's so it's like Christmas, it's like a Christmas turducken of lines and scene and music.
2: I'll uh, also know, real quickly just as one like wrapping things up here. I may have critiqued the ending for the abruptness. I weirdly like the editing of the final like Tony Stark monologue when it starts. It's like fading out and then cuts to like image like it keeps cutting from images of Aldrich at the beginning, Maya at the beginning. There's yeah. a weirdly wistful tone to it that we. I wish we'd actually get more in these big budget movies that I love. That I re- I just like that moment. It just seems like a yeah. very reflective thing that it, it struck home to me.
0: Yeah, like I said, it's a great ending. Uh
2: and <laughs> uh, the post credit scene is cute. It's funny. It's it's the perfect it's the perfect post credit scene. It it like opinion. I said, nerds but nerds hated it because it wasn't Iron Man meeting the guardians, which I don't know why they thought that was gonna happen, but
0: Well, I, I, here's the problem. I, I don't know how to say this to you, Doug. You spend too much time finding out what other idiot nerds think. I know. You're, <laughs> a, you're a good nerd. <laughs> Care about what you I'm think. A good get to know yourself, Doug. You have better opinions than those guys. Oh. Uh, the last thing I'll say, and we didn't, we didn't really get much chance to talk about it, but I do have to throw my two cents because I know, I know people. One of the big criticisms of this movie is that it's a fun Shane Black movie, and then at the end, it's a big uh, action scene like all of them. And I would disagree with that uh, because I think a one thing that the action scene at the end does really well is that every like punch kick every fight it's really well choreographed it has a lot of funny lines you can kind of tell what's going on amid the chaos and like every it's not just like CGI shit smashing into each other like it's it's frantic and kinetic and and pretty cool but bigger than that if I, Shane Black I think understands that these big budget movies end in ridiculous action scenes and I have to think that The idea of throwing 100 Iron Man suits or whatever it is, 50 Iron Man suits out there, was purposely him trying to go, like, fucking Michael Keaton and Batman. Like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. How about 50 fucking (laughs) Iron Man? Here's a bunch of- And they all do stupid other dumb shit that, like, I think that it's supposed to be over the top and almost a- minor parody of over the top uh, action scene endings of of big budget blockbuster
2: movies and i fucking love it. it it is interesting with like a sense of like retrospective looking at the marvel movies like by their faces how like the iron man 3 to avengers age of ultron each had like big big world ending climaxes and then after age of ultron it was like marvel went okay we got to make sure people don't get sick of these so just since then, each of them has like had a more self-contained, smaller climax. Like Ant Man, they all fight in a toy table. Civil War, they like fight in a room. And then yeah. Doctor Strange, they don't fight at all. They they use a, actually a clever little time thing. And then Homecoming, yeah,
0: Spider Man Homecoming doesn't. I mean, it, it has an action scene, but not like yeah, uh,
2: no. It, they all end with action scenes, but it's not like the world ending. It's more yeah. just like they're fighting on a beach.
1: Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to. I'd like to see more movies fighting for the soul of a character than fighting for the lives of the universe
2: uh thor ragnarok kind of has a bigger something big is gonna get destroyed but it handles it in a clever way i'll say that because i know you guys haven't seen it yet but it handles it in a clever way
0: so that's yeah so that is my quick rundown of stuff we didn't get a chance to talk about what do you guys got um uh, douglas why don't you share your final
1: thoughts because i I peter
2: peter i want you to share yours first okay
1: okay i'm a Uh, gentleman my favorite thing leading into Shane Black month, this movie has my favorite Shane Black trope, which is Shane Black is this cynical, super funny dude, which, by the way, if you're going to be super cynical, you have to also be funny and be accurate. He's a cynic- cynical, super funny dude who's super accurate with bringing down these cliches and these tropes. But he's also got he's kind of a softie. He's kind of a sweetie, and every one of his movies subverts that, like, cold, weird cynicism. Nice Guys is, like, mean for most of it. There's always something, and it doesn't, it's not necessarily at the end, it's not necessarily, you know, halfway through. There's always something to subvert that uh, cynicism. So this movie has that, that specific trope. This movie is so cynical, it's making fun of the kid, and yet the kid is helping him, but, you know, it's sort of this weird partnership where he's, like, teasing the kid, and he literally, like, leaves the kid in the dust after the kid tries to, like, endear himself to him. Yeah. Uh, Which makes you like the kid better, that you're like, oh, the kid was just playing a con game because he wanted to tease his board half orphaned kid who's just like his mom is not around you know he's just bored and he's a tinkerer and tony stark sees himself in the kid because tony stark also you know lost his dad tony stark leaves him in the dust like that and then at the end of the movie he gives this kid this amazing christmas present the most beautiful christmas present which is it isn't that he you know swung by and patted him on the head like yeah junior you it's that he made his lab better. He gave him better tools and instruments to keep making shit. That is Shane Black in a nutshell. Like that is that is Shane Black. And that's what I'm so excited about this month is this like cold, brutal cynicism where he makes fucking fun of everything. But at the end of the day or, you know, at some point it's going to be balanced out by sweetness.
0: So well, and in and, and some it. ways, though, he's not I, I think his cynicism is not about the character's. In his movies or the stories he's telling, I think his cynicism is about Hollywood conventions for the most part. And that's that's what we're seeing at play. Um, we'll talk about this more next week. Excuse me. We'll actually talk about this more in a couple weeks when we talk about Lethal Weapon. But he he included a lot of those meta – notes about what he was doing and the way hollywood screenwriters read stuff and story conventions in his scripts and stuff like that as well which is a very which is very funny so i think that's why it works and and to give you an example peter you're right that ending moment in iron man's great 99.9% of other directors how do they end it not just iron man going back and giving him a pat on the back but going to school and beating up those kids or like scaring those kids off or something like that uh,
2: they actually had a scene where he was going to they were going to like take down a bully uh, in Iron Man 3, they shot it uh, and the bully was played and by someone seen in the drill but Taylor. Owen <laughs> <laughs> Wilson was Tony Stark for a minute, like, <laughs> yeah. wow, I've got all these iron suits. but um, <laughs> Wow. Wow, I'm Iron Man. Wow, I am Iron Man.
0: But the um, most, the, the biggest thing Owen Wilson would have been impressed with in that version <laughs> is the potato gun.
2: Wow, so you can put a whole potato <laughs> in
0: there. Look at this Dora watch. Wow. I like I like the laser guns, but man, <laughs> I never thought of potatoes being used for that. <clears throat> you can fight with potatoes. I got to work that in the <laughs> Iron Man
1: armor. Oh, <laughs> well, we got do Douglas, can I, can I take a clip of you saying, you can fight with potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, I don't know how we're going to use uh, it, but sure. I'm going to put it in every episode now. Is, <laughs> your your fiance you is
0: like, what's this
1: new ringtone? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. Uh, don't, after, don't worry about it. It's going to play at your wedding. Oh, congrats so, about so that, by D- the way. Douglas, oh, thank you very much. Thank you very <laughs> much. Uh, so, Douglas, uh, so, Douglas, what, uh, what, a uh, what, uh, your okay, final? <laughs> Doug, Pete's I can't dead. think of anyone
0: better to, b- to have the last word on what's probably going to be the only Marvel movie we cover for a while at the very if, least,
2: if ever. If you guys really don't cover The Incredible Hulk on the show, then I don't know... I don't even Lewis know. Lewis
0: Letterer Month. Uh, Lewis Letterer.
2: Now you see Clash me. of the Titans. The Brothers Something Grimsby. Else. The Brothers Grimsby. Oh. That was him. Not, no, not that one. No. But um he did the Transporter.
1: Um uh, did he do Danny the Dog, aka Unleashed? I'm a big fan mm. of that movie. Uh no, I don't think so.
0: I kinda like Clash of the Titans.
1: <laughs> I don't remember right. it. Oh, he did he did Unleashed, uh aka uh Danny the Dog. That is a really good movie. <laughs>
2: Okay, so Iron Man 3 I think is a really great movie. It's one of, probably my maybe my top five MCU movies. And I really like – to keep it simple, I just like the way it takes Tony Stark as a character. I like that it really uh, emphasizes him coming to terms with his place in the larger universe, but keeping it self-contained at the same time. It's not too overly reliant on past movies. There, I enjoy how his rapport with Rody Don shields a lot of fun in this movie, actually. Um, and I enjoy the the villains are both intimidating and have some cool power sets. And it culminates in a fun climax that still keeps a lot of the Shane Black dialogue around. And Shane Black's dialogue, this was my introduction to Shane Black. Uh, I've only seen The Nice Guys among his other movies, so thank you for the Lethal Weapon spoilers, but um, it was a really... Don't worry, they're going to get edited out of the podcast, so just <laughs> <please> <laughs> listen right. to it, pretend you didn't hear it. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm good at pretending that. But um, Shane Black's writing is really good in this. I feel like he really, really uh, understands Tony. Like, he's good at writing dialogue and character beats for him. So, yeah, overall, uh, Iron Man 3 is a really good movie. Uh, a lot of fun. Ben Kingsley's a hoot. And the fanboys need to just calm down. Because this is a good one. <laughs> yeah,
0: I you know it's so funny you mentioned that because I had a note that like I can't think of a better writer character combination than Shane Black and Tony Stark.
2: No, like, they're great
0: because Shane Black is like Tony Stark's character if Tony Stark decided to be a director of movies. I think he would make amazing movies. And uh, well, Doug, thank you so much for coming on again. Um, hey, we are as as so listeners. I don't know how long this final product of a podcast is going to be because there is at least an hour of us just shooting the shit about stuff throughout the the podcast and then like 20 minutes before we started recording doing the same. So that is my way of saying, Doug, we love talking to you. I can't wait to have you back on again.
2: Thank you guys so much. It was so much fun. This This really was fun. This three hours flew right by. We're we're almost at Satan Tango levels of runtime, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. So much fun, you guys.
1: (laughs) It has roughly uh, 90,000% of the dialogue. (laughs) And none of the cat abuse. Yeah, well, I've been punching a cat this entire time, so please (laughs) don't. Oh, my 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 cat has been locked in a room. (laughs) Oh my god, and my cats are
2: just whining whining outside. They just want me to pet them. (laughs) So, Doug, what do you have to uh, plug? Well, uh, let me see here. I've got. Uh, website to plug in one other quick thing. Got my website that I try to update daily, com, where you can find me doing movie reviews and editorials and sometimes even music reviews and TV stuff. So check that out because I write too much about movies. Can't wait to um, hear
1: the review of the Outcast albums. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm doing the Outcast for 2018, baby. So Land of the Outcast.
1: Something that uh, Douglas is actually one of those people whose output just makes everybody else feel bad oh <laughs> peter douglas douglas is like one of those people who like uh even when i was writing a bunch i'd look at his website and be like i can't write that much and it's not that you're just like slamming shit home it's all very thoughtful it's very heartfelt it's peter a, the well, new av club website peter thank is, you it's, yeah it's my two av club. <laughs> It's definitely less cynical than the New A&E Club. Club. Uh, yes, 100 percent sure.
2: The uh, real quick thing I just wanted to also plug real quickly is more of just a patting on the back thing for me is um I wrote a play a few months ago called the uh, the one and only Rita Rebo. Uh, it is a 40 page play and it looks like nothing confirmed yet officially in terms of date but we are trying to see if we can find a date to stage a live read through at my college for it. So we're trying yeah, to still plan awesome. that out but I'm very excited that something a play I wrote might have the chance to be performed so uh, just wanted to brag about that a little bit because looks like it might be coming a reality hope great for the best title, people by the way. with a great title
0: yeah no I seriously I, I saw it posted earlier. But I really do like the title. I have not. How have I not heard about this? This is amazing. I can't wait to read it. See, it's either it's either going to be an excellent play, or um, it's going to be filming uh, Doug's new prank show. Where he makes college students say Creech as many times as he possibly can, <laughs> can over forty minutes.
2: I, I tell them like to come in and watch a play read through and I just paste like a bunch of Creech weaves on the wall and I'm like, look at this one. This one You've is been cute. axed. <laughs> 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 You've been Creech, boy. <laughs> You've Lucas. <been> <laughs> it's gonna
0: be great. I'm excited. I'm excited, too.
1: Peter, what do we have to plug? Uh, so, uh, honestly, we, uh, we've we been working on a lot of stuff right now, but uh, the only thing that we have to plug is the rest of the month and uh, my other podcast, Hey Vern. It's a podcast, The Journey Through the Earnest Films. And, oh, uh, Jesus. Our third episode... Uh, Ernest Goes to Jail is out, and I'm really proud of it. So uh, you can find it in the very feed you're listening to this episode. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. I'm very excited to
0: listen to it again. Uh, also excited to not have to watch the movie this time.
2: Yeah, same as Aaron. I'm <laughs> really excited to listen to this. There's a lot of good territory for those Ernest movies.
1: Thank you. I'm very excited to continue the series, and Marcus Jones uh, has been a wonderful help. And we're really—Aaron, I, I, can we call it Marcus Jones for um, for helping last month uh, for Night of the Living Dead? Thank you so much for stepping in, Marcus. Yeah, um, not a fan.
0: Uh— <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah so the rest of this month we have kiss kiss bang bang we have lethal weapon with Zach Groton and then we are ending it confusingly with the long kiss goodnight so, uh, so this this month is a mess but I'm excited well, to I,
2: I think to it's a good choice to end it though because that means you're giving 2017 the long kiss goodnight
1: Douglas yep. you're a beautiful <laughs> beautiful man thank you so much for being on tonight <laughs> Thank and you, this episode Peter. is 90 hours long.
2: <laughs> hey, still shorter than a Terrence Malick movie. Hey, yo. And we're out. We can't
1: go out of hey, that. Hey, yo. We can't go out of that. Aaron, <laughs> no. come up with something. Aaron, <laughs> anything. Literally. Uh, how about instead
0: well, of hey, yo, hey. say hey, you. Hey. Get off my podcast. <laughs> 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 One, two,
1: three. Yeah, it's from National Underground Underground. Off the ground, like a million elephants, a silverback, a rainbow tank, you can't stop a train. Who wants us, don't come, unspread, I'll leave there. But when I leave there, better be a household name. Brother man telling us it ain't gon' rain. So now we sitting in a drop, top soaking wet. In the silk suit, try not to sweat. Hit summer sauce so without the net. But this be the year that we won't forget. One nine nine nine. I don't really need anything gold. You want to be you wanna be. Don't you, know consequences. I'm giving, but lifting the fences. Too hot to jump in jail. Too long to dig, I might just touch hell. Hot, get a life, not a gon' sell. Then I might catch you a spell. Figure what came in the mail. I'm let your brain breathe, believe Hey, folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. Thank you so much for listening to our show. And we've got just a few quick announcements for you. There ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs, baby. If you'd like to talk to us, uh, tell us we're stupid. Tell us we're beautiful. The quickest way to get to us is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash we love to watch. Or our website, WLTWpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys.
0: And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost – We don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community.
1: I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available, if you don't use iTunes, we're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, tune in we're currently on soundcloud we'll take that out if soundcloud goes away
0: <laughs> that's it thanks for listening stay tuned guys on our facebook page especially we're gonna have a lot more polls a lot more prizes and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys so keep it tuned in uh let us know what you guys are thinking and again above all else thanks for listening to we love to watch